नहीं होते
something in me said I had to get it out to a book form, and so started looking around for a publisher, started asking some friends about any advice they have, um, and a friend of mine was like, you just got to sit down and decide when you're going to do it, and just do it. So last year, decided I um, was just going to get it done. I uh, was able to find a publisher, and I currently have two friends of mine who are doing a visual illustration for each piece of the, each poem. So you'll get you'll get my my poem, and you also get a visual illustration and to go along with it. So that very excited for it to be released. Hopefully, early next year. Yeah, that that is really really exciting. Uh, like, so. I know I'm looking forward to reading it. And uh, and I'm sure anyone who ends up hearing this will uh, be looking forward to to hearing reading that as well. Um, <clears throat> so that's pretty awesome. So I I guess uh, the main focus of this podcast, right, is uh, is one to get really cool guests like you on to uh, promote your stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, but but the second reason is to uh, to kind of hear one or two stories about uh, something. That really challenging in your life, uh, something you, you've that that's really kind of held you back, and and that you've had to overcome, and how you overcame it, it, it is a big part. Uh, not just that, you know, people have overcome struggles, but really how they've overcome those struggles is a big thing. So uh, so why don't uh, you kind of uh, you know give us uh, one or two of your biggest struggles and how you overcame them? Um. There's there's quite a few to pick from. <laughs> I, 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 know. Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose a big one would have been um, there was a time in my life when I struggled with uh, alcohol. Um, after my deployment to Iraq, I came home and I had a real sense of loss and disconnection from from my faith, um, from uh, people around me that I cared about and that cared about me. Um, and it was weird because I had never been a big drinker before before I got back, but something about um, alcohol kind of helped me re- reconnect with some of those feelings of connection and especially spiritually. Um, but it, however, eventually became a very unhealthy uh, coping mechanism, and it became more and more frequent that I'd end up drinking and... Um, I ultimately ended up going to a 30-day inpatient um, clinic, uh, VA clinic in St. Cloud, about 30 minutes away from here, um, because I just w- I woke up one day and it scared the daylights out of me how powerless I was over the need and the desire and just for alcohol, and I just you know I was going through a bit, really bad period of stressful time at work and just. I was already a high-functioning um, alcoholic, so I could start drinking in the morning and just be perfectly fine all day. Then I'd get home, and I would uh, just drink all night. So um, it really scared me when I realized how much of a focal point it was in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. I went to treatment, and... I was say, uh, could, could you tell us just a, a little bit more... Um... Like you mentioned, that this uh, this feeling of powerlessness, or the fact that the alcohol had the power over you, could you you kind of describe a little bit more, like how that really kind of held you back uh, from do, from experiencing life the way you wanted to, or from experiencing the success that you wanted to, either your marriage or your work, or or how did that really affect you? 
Um, it was it created a very big barrier for me and my wife. Um, she had kind of grown up in some unhealthy situations regarding alcohol, and um, my drinking kind of really re-traumatized her in some ways, unfortunately. Um, it made me really emotionally uh, distant from her. Um, I was We were no longer having um, good communication or conversations about things. Um, and it really, it really hurt her because it just, it was another wedge in between us. Um, and it really made it hard for us to connect in so many different levels. Um, so that was a big barrier. Um, there were barriers with my friends who were not heavy drinkers. Um, just because I would spend all my time around folks who did drink. Um, or even if I even went out, I mean, it got to the point where I was just, all I wanted to do was be at home in my basement drinking. Um, so it was, it was very detrimental to my mental health, to my emotional well-being. Um, and it wasn't really helping me at all with the, the big struggles I was having philosophically and spiritually that um, I had to deal with after, after my deployment and after uh, a loss of faith, essentially. Well, yeah, I can definitely see how, how it would definitely do that. Um, like I, I've known some people who struggle with alcohol addiction, and uh, and uh, what's funny is um, is actually it's the powerlessness that, that I think can really resonate with a lot of people. Uh, kind of regardless of what that addiction is, it's that a feeling that um, kind of you're beholden to it. Um, and uh, yeah. I know I know I felt that it's, way. It's with, kind of scary how it becomes. It's really scary how it becomes pretty much all-encompassing, and it's the, the focal points of your day. I mean, you wake up and you look forward to the first drink, um, whether it's first thing in the morning, like it was for me in the end at the end of my, you know, the, the worst parts, or whether it's getting right home to it. It was I could not turn that want and need off, mm-hmm. um, and that was it. Like I said, when I woke up that day and I realized I couldn't say no, I couldn't just stop. It scared me. Yeah. So yeah. So you uh, so you kind of had this uh, this aha moment where you know you always kind of knew in the back of your mind that there was a problem, but uh, but you just exactly. woke up one day and it's just like I I'm feeling the need to drink right now, and and it's not a want; mm-hmm. it's a need. That that's really exactly. Uh, I, I think a lot of people kind uh, kind of go through something similar. Uh, kind of regardless of what their struggle is, it it just it, it's become something where uh, you no longer have control over it. So, um, so I think a big part of recovery is finding that control. Can you tell us a little bit how you uh, once you realized you were out of control? Um, um, what what yeah. were the first steps you took? Um, I, I called some good friends of mine, um, who are pastors and kind of told them what was going on. And then I called the VA and I made sure I, um, scheduled myself to get down there because I knew that if I, um, if I waited too long, the urgency would have passed and the sense of needing to stop right now would have, would have passed before I could do anything about it. And nothing would have changed. So right that day, I made sure I reached out to people around me um, and got a hold of the VA and made it pretty clear to them that I need to get in right away. So, yeah. Well, that is um. So yeah. 
That's something I, I actually I, I want to pause there for a moment. It's something I, I actually think is really powerful for people, for anyone who is listening to this now or in the future. Um, it, it's the fact that uh, that you, you took action right away, right? You, you realize yeah. that that there um, you know that there comes a time where um, you kind of have some clarity uh, of purpose and clarity of kind of uh, a view of reality the way it is, and you took and you took mm-hmm. action on that at that moment, like, where that is, rather than just, um, you know, kind of accepting that, oh, I'll get to it in time, I'll get to it in time. I think that's a trap a lot of people fall into, is they have that, yeah. that aha moment, and then they don't they don't capitalize on it. And so uh, I think, I think that. that's a really powerful piece already, <laughs> what you kind of told us. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you do next? Um... After that, it was a few days before I could actually um, get into the treatment center. So, um, essentially, after that, it was just kind of preparing the wife and you know letting her know that I was going to be going away. It was it was really tough on her because I was gone for thirty days mm-hmm. over the summer um, two summers ago, and it was I mean she had the kids to take care of and she had work and stuff. Um, and that was, it was hard for her, but she was she was glad I was doing it because she realized I needed to to stop drinking and I needed to get a handle on it and I needed mm-hmm. I needed that separation time from home and work and everything to actually be able to do that process. Um, yeah, could, can I ask you a question? Um, what? Sure. You, you said there was a couple of days essentially between when you called and when you went into treatment. Uh, a kind of what, what was what were those days like for you? You know, not just you know the logistics part, but like what was really going in your head? Like, were you facing any kind of like second thoughts? Um, there were some moments of second thoughts. It was just mostly um, a feeling of there was some shame there because I was like, how did I let my life get to this point where I need to do this in order to get this under control? Um, there was, there was fear about the unknown. I'd never been to a treatment facility before. I didn't know what the process would be like. I didn't know what to expect. Um, even though I work in a field where I help people get into treatment centers all the time, mm-hmm. um, my encounter with them was very brief and, you know, I did, I never saw what it was like to be there um, so I, it was just you know there was anticipation um, you know there was fear but there was also the reminding myself this is what I needed to do and um, that despite my reservations this was, was, was going to have to happen so that, that's really exciting I, I can kind of echo that that's some of those same feelings uh, especially the shame aspect um, like uh, I deal, I've been dealing with anxiety and depression for a very, very long time, and uh, and thanks in part to some to my upbringing and environment and some just internal thoughts and stuff, um, I can see to the fact that there's a lot of shame in in realizing that you need help with something. Yeah. And, and even after you decide to get that help, actually following through mm-hmm. on it, and, and so yeah, like I I I can only imagine. Um, like you're not you're a couple of years removed from the experience now, and so am I. But uh, it, it it's hard to really uh, put into words how hard that can be. 
and 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 how yeah. and accomplished it is that not only did like is the struggle to first realize you need help and then take action on that, but then to follow through mm-hmm. with it and yeah, and it's a it's a real struggle the whole way. Um, yeah, and I was really scared to tell my to tell my employers and tell them, hey, look, I'm gonna be gone for thirty days. Because I felt like I let them down too. In addition to my family, like I was letting my coworkers down, I was letting my clients down. Um, yeah, so it was there was a lot of trepidation around that, and it was really hard to tell people that's what I was I had to do. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, and uh, I know also from experience, it's easy to to sit here on this side of it and uh, and think that um, oh my god, like this is obviously the right decision for me. Uh, but when you're in it, it, it's tough. And and I think a good contrast to make is that um, you know, despite the shame you may have been feeling at the time, you obviously weren't in a the relationship you wanted to be in with your wife. Um, I'm assuming the relationship with your mm-hmm. kids wasn't exactly where you wanted it to be. Uh, you weren't able to give it all yeah. at work. You know, like, it, you yeah. know, high, high functioning, it means, in my opinion, it means getting by. It is what high functioning means. It means that that can show up places. Mm-hmm. And, um, exactly, yeah. And so however much you think you have it together and, and however much shame you may feel in asking for help, um, it's it's never too early, right? It, it's never, yes, it, exactly. It, it's never too early to realize that you aren't where you want to be, and you might need help to get to that place. And there's no yep. shame in asking for it, despite the fact that you'll feel it. It's a necessary yeah. thing, and it's hard. It is definitely hard. It is very hard. And so, yeah. uh, and so, I'm assuming you had your wife. Uh, what what other support did you kind of surround yourself with, kind of in that in those few days before you went into treatment to kind of make sure you got there? Um, I reached out to some really good friends of mine who I knew would understand um, and who would uh, be able to check in on me while I was away. Um, and a few of them were able to actually come and visit me a few times. Um, so yeah, basically just reaching out to the people that I knew would kind of be there for me, um, you know, and letting them know what was going on and also letting them know I needed them while I was going through this process, and they pulled through. They came through for me, which I'm very, very thankful for, so. Yeah, I, I can attest to how important that is. Um, uh, but, but the big question is, uh, I guess, uh, I, I know... Someone listening to this at some point, it might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be two years from now. Uh, the question's going to be, but what if I don't have anyone? Uh, uh, do you have an answer to that question? <laughs> um, I, 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 I made some really good friends while I was there in the program right beside me. Um, the staff, there were excellent supports for me. Um... They were used to working with the vets, so they kind of got the, the mentality and the additional levels of um, stubbornness and um, the way that vets can think and operate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I found supports there. Um, so if I hadn't had them outside, I would have definitely had them while I was there. 
All right, that, um, that's definitely really, really good to know for anyone who's thinking like, I don't have anyone else, anyone outside to support me. How am I gonna do this? Like, you'll find people when, when you yeah. when you seek when you seek them out, you'll find them. Exactly, and when and when I got home, I was I just started going to an AA meeting, um, and um, I was very public with my my friend circle and you know on Facebook and things about my time in treatment and um, I need to remain sober. And I actually had several friends reach out to me and said, "Hey, I had no idea, but I'm sober too, and this is some things that I do and some meetings I attend to kind of." Um, remain in sobriety, and so they really came around me. So I had, I mean, I was fortunate because I had people before and after and during who were kind of really alongside me and who were supports, you know. Yeah, that actually brings up a, a kind of a, uh, another cool little point. Um, do you think the fact that you were, you kind of moved past the shame a little bit and were so public and open with it uh, helped you stay sober? Um, and, and really kind of find that support system and, and allow others to be able to be more open with their problems and, and how they've been able to help you with? I think so. Um, there is there is a lot of truth in um, public accountability and um, when you know that people know that you're remaining sober or... Um, you know, you're you're trying to not um, continue a habit. It seems to really help them. Um, at least in my experience, it really helps to have people know about that and to kind of remind you or um, kind of give you a nudge, if you will, when you need that, or if they see you in risky situations, or if they see you, um, you know, and especially if they're sober too. Or if they are in recovery from the um, from the same issue or you know substance, um, it's kind of it's really nice to have accountability partners and people that you know not just reach out to you, but also you can reach out to too, um, and kind of support and remind and just encourage and be there because it does get hard. There are um, days when you have urges and when you feel tempted or. You know, you feel frustrated with where your life is, and it would be nice to have that immediate escape from from reality. Um, and it's nice to have people around you that kind of know your situation and know where you are in your recovery, and who can remind you of how hard it used to be, or how it was when you were drinking, or why you became sober, um, things like that. that. That's really really powerful. Um, so. Just kind of recap here. So, uh, deployed, you came back, and uh, and that's when it, it really became a problem. And so, you kind of woke up one day. Uh, you ended up entering treatment. Treatment uh, appeared to be successful uh, for you the first time around. Um, mm-hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about the next three to six months. What was your life really really like um, as you were you know still really fighting to overcome? This thing and make you know and kind of reach a, a stable point. Uh, and, and what kind of changes did you see in your life, in your relationships? Um, it was very hard because I had built up a really good social life around bars and around other places that had alcohol all the time, 
Um, I had been working part-time at a bar as a security guard, so it was very tricky for me to all of a sudden enter these places that were so um, were sanctuaries for me and safe places for me to all of a sudden like not be able to partake and to have to explain to people who might not have known that I was no longer drinking that, hey, thanks for the offer, buy me that drink, but I actually can't. <laughs> Um, so it was very hard. It was very hard. Um, I've since learned to kind of limit my exposure to places like that or situations like that when I know it's going to be particularly hard or I'm, at, I'm in a place of struggling. Um, it really forced me to shift um, my whole social life, essentially, and it was very difficult. But um, it took time and it took intentionality. Um, and because I knew that it would have been so easy to fall back into the same patterns and to have a drink somewhere that people didn't know me and, like, I could kind of get away with it, I guess, if nobody found out. Um, but it, every, it was just, it was that important to me to remain sober and to find new ways of doing life and to create healthier patterns for myself. Um, so yeah, it was hard, but it was worth it. And it still, it still takes some practice. It, there, I still have, definitely have my hard days when I pass an old place I used to hang out at, and you know. But I just got to keep driving these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, well, and one thing you said there that, that I think is really important. Um, for people who uh, are thinking of seeking help or thinking of, of trying to overcome something that's been holding them back for a long time is, is the intentionality behind it, it and, mm -hmm. and the constant mindfulness and attention and intention associated with it. it like, no matter what it is, is you have to want it. Um, you yep. have to be mindful of what it's going to take. And you have to act with intention. Um, it, it's not yeah. just one, you know, quick decision one day. Um, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to yourself and those around yeah. you over the long haul. And, um, and it can be hard and there, there are days where it gets really hard. And so making sure you have that foundation and that support system to go to someone, to, someone mm -hmm. to go or someplace to go yeah. where, um, on the bad days you can make it work. Mm -hmm. um, you, even if you're just getting by on those days, um, yeah, it's really important. You know, you, and the fact is, I think too many people get caught with the fact that, well, I went to treatment and now I have to be 100 percent better. Um, yeah, and, and that's definitely that's definitely not the case for me, and uh, I don't think that was the case for you either. Like, were, there were probably no, they were they were there were actually some slip ups, and they were you know there were some there were some. Um, there were some times where I, I did kind of go back to alcohol, and it's interesting because every time I did that, because in the, you know, when you go to AA and you read the big book and, you know, you're immersing yourself, there is there is um, a teaching that's like, well, if you think you can just have a drink, try, try it out, see what happens. Like, you know, um, if you think you drink like regular people, you know, and you're... You know, think you just had a problem for a little bit of time, try it. And 
unfortunately, every time I tried it, I reaffirmed to myself that, no, I could not drink like regular people. And um, it's funny because every time I did, I did slip up. It was an additional slip up. It was me saying, okay, I'm going to disregard what I know about this thing and what I know about how it will affect me and my inability to control it. And I'm going to do this to myself. And each time I regretted it, and each time I remembered instantly why it was not a good idea for me to drink. Yeah, willfulness um, can be a really, really tough thing uh, when you're overcoming yes. any any sort of problem uh, and really having to confront something. Willfulness. Yeah, and, and when yeah. I talk about willfulness, I'm talking about that. Uh, you know, not to diminish it, but that that the toddler who stamps their feet and says no. Right, you you know yeah. you know what you should be doing, but you stay in your mind. Exactly. You, theme, you say no, and but but the big thing about that is that one slip up or ten slip ups, right? Don't yeah. mean you failed. And, and I exactly and I that's, that's that's a big part of it is that that you're on a journey. Um, you you don't just you don't just start that journey and you're there and you're good. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Like, and and just because you slip up, just because you make a mistake, doesn't mean you failed either. It, it, it means like that exactly. you're on your journey, and and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you. That's nothing yeah. to necessarily be. You know, you you accept it. You accept that this happened, and you move on. Um, and so that's exactly. really powerful. Uh, I, I love that you're kind of that you're really talking about the fact that. You know, like you didn't just get okay right away. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it it was hard. Uh, it, it's getting easier. Uh, tell me about some of the uh, the positive things that have happened because you faced your struggle and and, ha- and are working to overcome that. What are some of the kind of like the big? Th- give me the top five positive changes in your life. And kind of tell me a little bit about them. Um, I think the fact that I don't need a substance to deal with my life um, is a big positive. Um, I mean, I I still heavily drink. You know, I consume caffeine. I drink coffee all day. I smoke cigarettes. Um, so I have I have some chemicals, but I don't need a mind-altering chemical. I don't need something that's going to um, push me that far out of um, being in control of myself and being in control of where I'm at. Um, that's a big positive for me. I mean, improved communication and relationship with my wife um, is another big positive. Um, not having to feel shamed around my kids. Um, because they knew something was up with dad, but wasn't quite sure why he was acting the way he was. Um, just a better handle on kind of what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it is a big positive for me, even if it's a bad feeling or it's negative. Um, it's empowering to me to accept those feelings and to, to be able to deal with them instead of ignore them or push them down. Um, and having having freedom during my day 
not having something that consumes me 24-7 like alcohol did. Um, not even thinking about it most days. I mean, that's a big plus for me right there. Um, yeah, I mean, that 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 is really powerful right there. It's it's this this freedom, right? It it's yeah. This, uh, like I, I think that's that's huge. It's huge for people. Um, like and, and something that people don't realize that they don't have. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of is is just like even you know discount even just the times that you were drinking, but then the the time you had to spend thinking about it. And the time you had to spend yep. thinking about how am I going to hide this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to, mm-hmm. you know, fix my relationships despite or maintain work or maintain, right? It Like, whatever it is you're dealing with, uh, it just starts to overcome everything. Like, consume everything yeah. in your life. And and you begin to lose your freedom. Uh, like, yes. Like, yes. It, and the weight that can get lifted... When you just, you know, really, when you you take that step and you and you start to do the work to overcome mm-hmm. that, it's actually amazing yeah. how how much more freedom you have now, and and how much lighter yeah. you feel, D- despite the fact that you're That's not doing more work than most people think. Right? It's actually yeah. less work than it was to just to to not deal with whatever it is that you had to deal with. It's very true. Like, uh, like I, I just, I love that you brought that up, because, because uh, that, that's a huge thing in my life, just the freedom. Oh, um, <laughs> like two years ago for myself, I, I wouldn't have been able to make this phone call, this Skype call, right? Just be wow. Like, I wouldn't have been able to do this. You know why is that? Like, in, if I can ask. And so the free, the freedom to be able to do this is just amazing. You know that some people take for granted, and um, yeah, and <laughs> my issues at that time were were just anxiety and depression, man, anxiety and depression, and I can bring myself to talk to people. There's just so much shame and yeah. and you know, in the way uh, you know, and the suicide and the self harm that comes along with something that holds you down like that. It, yeah, huh? um, which I'm very happy that. I'm overcoming that. <laughs> like, like I, I have to work. I'm happy you day. are too. Yeah, I have to work at it every yeah, day. Just I've... like you have to work at it every day. And yeah, like, and, and I think it's important for people to realize that, that no matter where you are, it's something that you never stop working at. Um, yes, you can overcome, right? But you never stop working. Um, exactly. Which, which is a big thing. So. Gosh, a really amazing story, um, and you've saw some, seen some really positive changes in your life. So, um, one of the keys, the theses of this theses, thesi, <laughs> of this podcast, it is kind of the success you you're able to achieve uh, once you've kind of overcome or overcoming those things. So, um, we already mentioned you have a uh, collection of poetry coming out. Uh, what are some mm-hmm. other kind of success points for you since you, you know, you, you started this journey two years ago? What are the kind of the success, you know, milestones that you've reached so far? Um, 
This might sound odd, uh, not thing to consider a success, but um, I failed law school earlier this year mm-hmm. after attempting to to complete it for a year and a half. Um, and it was it was it was very uh, it was very humiliating and shameful and um, I was not sure how I was going to like face my family or you know move on with life and it was really hard for most of the year but um, the fact that I had this book project coming out was was very helpful regarding having something to focus on, something positive in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a pretty tough year, and I think it was like the best thing for me to have to be able to focus on and to work at. Um, and also the the fact that I could maintain my sobriety through everything with law school too um, was a big success for me because. Um, I had every reason in the world to pick that bottle back up and to kind of throw a pity party and kind of give up because I felt like such a failure and like I've let people down, I let my family down, and all these people, you know, supporting me and rooting for me. Um, um, but it just, and it was not the way I wanted to end it at all. And it was a hard lesson to learn regarding um, what my my limitations were academically and my aptitude regarding the whole process of how law school set up. Um, so I consider the way, I mean, I've been able to, to kind of move on and push forward past that um, as a success, yeah. oh, I yeah, think. Definitely, like your ability to face a, face a real a real loss and a real challenge and and to be able to come through that okay like not just okay but but sober and and being able to refocus and find purpose despite that god that's Mm -hmm. a huge success and like a a lot of people get faced with something like that and uh they don't know what to do i remember after my freshman year of college they actually kicked me out and um and uh i've never been more humiliated in my life and uh and at that mm-hmm. point i wasn't that that was uh oh, 2011 so six years ago S- six yeah about six and a half oh. years ago and um like i wasn't equipped then the way i am now and uh yeah and i know what a failure my response to that was and mm-hmm. and so to to be able to to face something like that the, the sense of shame and failure and stuff that goes along with the school telling you you're not good enough to be here anymore, you know for for exactly, reasons, but you're not <laughs> doing well here, and so we don't think this is a yeah for you, is ah like that's just it's tough, and so the ability to overcome that is huge, like it's definitely yeah ah, that is that's a huge success in, in my mind, um like gosh. And it really is amazing the the things that that you're able to accomplish now as opposed to, to mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, and, yeah, like uh, it's really exciting. Um, you know what what are some of the uh, uh, kind of milestones you're aiming for uh, in the next year or two? Yeah, you know that that you're going to be able to actually work at because of what you've overcome. Uh, 
I'm sorry, you cut out there for a second there. <laughs> okay. It'll last a little bit. Yeah, uh, so uh, kind of because of what you've overcome, right, uh, both the uh, the alcoholism and and the failing out of law school, you know, and stuff like that, what, mm. what are kind of the the success milestones, you know, that, that are actually in your sights now? for the next year or two. You know, I don't like five-year plans and stuff. No one knows what's happening in five years. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. the, next, the next year or two. Especially what, nowadays. What are you really, really looking forward to being able to accomplish and be successful at now that you've overcome these these things? Um, I think for the next year, it's um, getting the book published um, getting out there in the world, promoting that. Um, I'm going to try to do a different model regarding how I'm actually getting it out there to people. Um, I don't want to do Amazon. I want to be able to sell it through my own website and get it into the hands of local bookstores um, and through the publisher's website, of course. So it will be... Uh, because the whole point of it was to... Be, it was it was to be a communal project, and I want it to be accessible and out there for folks to grab, um, and it to be local and independent. And um, even if it's a local coffee shop or a local bookstore in Colorado, the point is for it still to be somewhere independent and local and small. Um, so that's my that's my big plan for the next year. Um, I'm just going to maintain my new job. Um, a full-time job, um, pay down some debts. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, yeah, it was it was a long year with uh, looking for work too. So I'm very grateful that I can I can do what I do for work. Um, so those are really the two big things: just get the book out there and keep providing for the family and keep paying out paying down some of this debt. That's basically it. <laughs> awesome. And, like, that is, that's all, those are all really, really great uh, success pillars. And I'm I'm sure you'll achieve them. Uh, like, uh, I'm excited, one, for the book to come out, and, uh, and two, to, to hear how you're doing over the next year. Luckily, we're friends on Facebook, so I get to stalk you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't have to wait for the, for the, uh, the newspapers to catch on to what a steal uh, your your poetry is going to be. Um, and so I'd like to thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. Um, like, Not a problem. Thanks for having me. This yeah, was fun. Th- yeah, this has been amazing. Um, you know, it's made six months uh, a year. You're on. Uh, hopefully I'm still doing the show. We might have you on again. May- maybe a, a new collection of okay. poetry coming out. Or uh, yeah. push this one again some more. Um, so while we have Raymond here, just a few quick notes. These also be in the notes regarding the show on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere else like that. So, uh, he has a blog about the book publishing process, uh, com. Tell us a little bit about that. About the... The blog, yeah. The, the, the book Tumblr? publishing process blog. Uh, actually, I... I I'm kind of interested. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to um, just kind of update people regarding the process of getting this thing published. And 
and the things that I've learned regarding um, just essentially being an independent author, even though I have a publisher who's going to be putting the book together and pushing it out, um, a lot of the promotion is going to be on me and just the process of um, trying to set up readings to do and um, other promotional things, getting postcards made um, to leaving coffee shops and to hand out at readings, just all little things I never thought of that would go into a book. Um, I try to keep tabs on that whole process and write about it in the blog. That's very, very exciting. That's great information to know for any uh, potential writers um, who are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> rcamper, R-C-A-M-P-E-R dot Tumblr dot com. Um, once again, the book is Shadowland America Project. Uh, out in uh, spring, I'm going to say spring 2018, uh, since we don't have an official release date. Uh, you can follow uh, progress yeah. on that book at uh, facebook.com slash Shadowland America Project. Um, book pro- Twitter is at Shadowland Book. Uh, the Instagram is at Shadowland America Project. Uh, out by the publisher, uh, Wise Inc. Publishing. Go ahead and check them out at wiseinkpub.com. And, of course, follow our good friend Raymond here uh, as personal Twitter, uh, at ForgivenFound. Uh, I didn't even know what that Twitter was, so I'm excited to check that out. And uh, <laughs> and for all those people who are new to the podcast, be sure, wherever you're consuming this, to hit that like, follow, subscribe, whatever button you happen to be seeing this on, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh Wherever you are, make sure you turn on notifications so you, you're made aware every time we go live or publish this. Uh, f- follow us uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OvercomingPC, or contact us at OvercomingPC, OvercomingPC at gmail.com. Uh, before we sign off here, Raymond, is there any other sage advice, little plug that you'd like to get in at the end of the show? Um, just keep plugging along, folks. I mean, it's been a long year for lots of us for lots of different reasons. The political climate's been very depressing and heavy. Um, but I mean, I'm, I would encourage you to get plugged in with your local political organizations, um, as well as just being a good neighbor to your, the people on your block. Um, every one of us need a little extra, uh, uh, kind words and you know a wave and a smile these days so i think anything we can do to brighten someone else's day up we should be doing that that is sage advice from a very wise man with a beautiful beard so uh, with that being said (laughs) uh, i think we're going to sign off here as far as the stream thanks for watching if you're listening to this thanks for listening uh check us out next week twitch.tv slash Caleb Van Vorn, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, November 7th.